0: Hello, hello.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You can hear me good? Yeah, I can hear you.
0: All right. Can you, you hear me? Bad. Yes, sir. I don't know. You want to start it off and introduce all that good
1: stuff? <sighs> What's up, everybody? Uh, my name's Jacob Cooper. Go by J. Coop. Coop whatever you want to call me, go to Texas State University. I'm majoring in construction science management with a minor in business management. Uh, I love to cook. I love to eat. And those are just some of the things about me. For
0: sure. For sure, that sounds good. What's up, y'all? My name is Jonathan Ash. But people call me John, 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 J, J, Ash, Johnny many aliases, but um, I'm a junior at Texas University, majoring in health sciences, minor in healthcare administration. I love to eat, just like Coop, so I'm always at his crib, stealing his food, because I let it eat, and I just like to just be chill and like, enjoy my peace, enjoy my space, so that's a little bit about me.
1: Bet that will. I mean, let's get this show on the road, and. And let's chop it up. So what are we talking about today, John? John,
0: Man, today we're talking about, you know, healing. And just, you know, in the Black community, whenever there are problems that we face, or just not even the Black community, but in all communities in general, that we all go through pain as humans. So how do we heal from it? How do we learn from it? And how do we ultimately turn into the person we were created to be? How do we maximize our pain how do we let our pain make us better and not better that's what I kind of want to see what your kind of insight and your perspective is on that so what you thinking bro
1: as far as healing um I feel like healing is is not only tough in the black community but it's also being tough as being a black man Uh, I feel like for so many years we've been We've been told to to, to be strong, um, you know, to not be in tune with our feelings, to to be a leader, and to to not show weakness. So I feel like of of years of of that being instilled into our mind, we don't necessarily know how to heal, how to cope, how to to look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what, I, it's it's okay to hurt, it's it's okay to cry. Um, it's okay to, to feel and to, to cope with things the right way. Um, just myself, I feel like for so many years, I have been a Coke bottle, um, you know, from, you know, being young to being now, you know, I've always been a Coke bottle. And every situation that I've gone through in my life, it's it it's shaking me up a little bit each time. And, you know, you know what happens when you shake a Coke bottle until it explodes. And I felt like each situation was a, a Mentos and it was just, just adding, you know, hurt, pain, stress, uh, depression, trauma. All these things were being added into my Coke bottle. And I never knew how to express those feelings because it was always... You know, someone telling me, you know, you're gonna be okay. You have to be strong. You know, everyone goes through it. When you're consistently told those things, you don't even feel like you can truly express how you feel until that coke bottle explodes. Yeah, bro, that's,
0: yeah, bro, that's real. And kind of want to say on that note, <clears throat> it's just very key just to have that self awareness because you know. Many people go through their entire lives, go through their 50s and their 60s, still carrying on hurt and trauma from their childhood. So the fact that you realize as a young man, you know, not even out of college yet, and having that self-awareness, like that's crucial. Because, you know, as you graduate college and move to your new chapter of your life, you know, you're able to be cognizant of, you know, what you faced and how you're going to overcome it. So salute to you. That's what that's what we should be all striving for, for that level of self-awareness to truly get better for my problems so i guess my question for you is just talk a little bit about you know your story like who's jacob like what makes jacob tick you know how did you get where you are and like kind of the struggles and challenges that you face and you know that's kind of up to you on what you want to delve into but um i just want people to know like you know People see success and people see, you know, great things happening. But, you know, great things don't occur without trials and tribulations, without failure. People think it's like it's it, people think it's sweet. Pretty much. They think it's sweet, but it's really not. There's trials, there's tribulations, there's failure, there's depression, there's times where you want to give up. So just just tell us your story, Jacob.
1: Um, OK, Um, I feel like my story is. You know, starts way back when uh, um, I was a kid, and I feel like the biggest thing is, you know, when you go through so many struggles, it 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 sharpens you, um, it makes you strong, it makes you uh, appreciate life. Um, I would say I am where I am today from, you know, being being a kid is you know, having the support system of my mother, uh, a woman who took care of of me and my sister and, you know, would make sure that we had food in our mouths, even if that meant her not eating. Um, You know, moving from from home to home, uh, from apartment to apartment, you know, to not even knowing, you know, there were times that I may have slept in you know a car with my my family because i was so young i didn't remember it like just just knowing all these things now has shaped me into the young man i am today going through trials and tribulations and messing up i will say the the moment from going from high school to college i feel like was the the biggest transition of my life um, not having my, my mom to to be there for me or to, to decide for me or to, to help me out with certain things was a, a big wake-up call. It was a wake-up call into me realizing I have to become a man. I have to learn how to, to move on my own, to, to cook my own food, to wake myself up every morning for school, for class, to, to learn how to, to study and I will say college, I mean, has broken me down. Uh, my freshman year, I probably had one of the, the worst GPAs I have ever experienced. Like, it could have been, like, a a, a one-something or whatever it was, which is crazy to think, like, no one would have truly known that now with, you know, the things that I've I'm able to accomplish or the success that has been going on in my life, but being broken down to the bottom of the barrel i feel like was a a huge wake up call like god really showing me and telling me that i must seek him to get through the things that i was dealing with depression didn't come into my life until i got to college um before that i felt i felt happy uh, i was playing sports in high school I was a man, I was a guy in my you know, high school, I was I was very known. And then I come to a, a place of forty thousand people to where I'm a no one and you know nobody knows me, and I'm having to recreate a brand, recreate a name for myself. Um you know, I didn't really meet depression until I got here. I didn't really know and, and see how it felt until college. And, you know, I didn't know how important mental health was until I got to college because my mental health was was all over the place. And, you know, I can go on for days about um, certain aspects and certain things is, is a, a longer conversation, but to get to where you are asking, I feel like Um, my story and who I am today is because of, of every little thing that I've gone through and every other thing that every under, every other individual, every individual has gone through in their life, you know, has, has made you who you are today. And it's not even about who I am today, because I know that this is just the beginning. I feel like my, my race has just, my, has just started, you know, God has just planted a, a seed into the ground that is slowly reaching the surface. And once I continue to do what I need to do and continue to walk through him and continue to follow his steps, I will be able to see the, the righteousness and the reward that he has given me and will eventually give me. Um, I'm in a place of still trying to find myself and figure out who Jacob is. Because right now, you know, I have my days where I don't know who Jacob is. I don't know what Jacob wants or, you know, what he wants to do with his life. Sometimes I feel like I've made a decision thinking that it's what's best, but I haven't truly, you know, did what I love. Or is this the reason why I'm here? You know, I feel like once I spend more time with God and I really get in tune with, with my faith, you know, I'll be able to have open ears onto you know um what I wanna do. And so um as far as my end, with me kinda giving a synopsis of where I I've come from, I know I've jumped around, but it's such a a touchy kind of conversation to just, you know, open arms about certain things. But as yeah, far as you John just-
0: it's just the, um the I'm sorry to cut you off, bro. No, you good. The vulnerability behind it is just, you know, like you said, when you, like, face those things and you felt those type of ways, you know, those emotions are valid. You know, how you're feeling is valid. Like, your story is valid, regardless of what anybody wants to say. So the fact that you're able to be vulnerable about it, vulnerable about it like I said before, and have that self-awareness, that's, like, very crucial and very key, bro. So I
1: commend you on it. Like I said before, that's what are saying? I was saying, like my question to you since you asked me a question. Um, what do you feel like has made you, um, Johnny? And with you being from the islands, you know how were you able to, you know live a a different life and, and heal from, you know, certain things that you've experienced as a child and the transition of moving from, you know, Baylor to Texas state and having to be vulnerable and having to be in a lone state and be a nobody to who you are today.
0: Yeah, bro, that's, First and foremost, like I always tell everybody, it's like God just working in my life constantly that yes, I put in the work and yes, I do my time. I do my due diligence, but at the end of the day, God is an ever-present time and an ever-present spirit for me in my life. So I just want to say that first and foremost, but just as far as me and my life and just being from the islands, like I always tell people when they ask me about it or have a conversation, it's kind of a dual perspective. Because I have my, my mother's side of the family who's from the islands, and then my father's side who's from Houston. So, you know, just from a young age, even though I don't have like that best of memory of like what was going on, being able to be cognizant and be living in two worlds it was just a very interesting um, kind of dichotomy. Because, you know, you know, when I'll be around my West Indian family, they said, Why are you so American? And then whenever <laughs> I hang around, you know, my American friends, they saying, "Why are you acting so like weird? Like, why don't you know how to skate? Like, why don't you know how to ride a bike?" And it's just like some of the stuff I just never learned because, like, I wasn't—I was in the culture. I was in the culture too heavy because my mom, she just wanted to, you know, protect me and want what's best for me. So it was just an interesting kind of like tug between two worlds, and I always kind of still struggle with that because people say like, "Oh, like, you know, I've never met anybody like you." There's a different stuff like that, but the reason why is because you know it's just my culture and my where I'm from. Like that's deeply rooted in who I am. So you know the way I move on things, the way I speak on things, and my values not only has to do with my culture but my upbringing. So it's just that's why I never forget where I come from. Like if people ask me, you know, they say where are you from? I say I'm from Houston, but I'll also be quick to tell them that I'm I'm proudly from St. Croix, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and that's just me. Just growing up and going back to St. every summer, my grandfather, always he always reminded me, like, you know, never forget the territory. You know, remember where you come from because you're an ambassador. You're an ambassador for our island. And in life, that can be more true because, you know, how you live your life, that's your brand and you're rocking it every day. So you're your biggest ambassador. So that's kind of my um, perspective on that note. And then as far as, you know, my transition of Baylor to Texas State, it was just, you know, growing up, my mom made sure to put me in like specialized programs, like magnet schools and like gifted intelligence programs. So, like, I had the aptitude to where, you know, they said, you know, something's there. So, my mom wanted to put me in the best program as possible. You know, even if it's required funds sometimes, even if, it, you know, like we had like the best clothes and stuff, or like, or we have to make sacrifices. Like She always made a sacrifice because, you know, I'm a first-generation college student. Like, coming to, like, America, so it's like she wanted the best for me. And I'm eternally grateful for that. And kind of like the same thing you were saying with your mom, like, making sure there's food on the table, making sure it was, like, you know, lights on, making sure we had electricity. Just the simple blessings, bro, that often you overlooked. But then just in high school my junior year, I just went through like a tumultuous time of like just shifting the family dynamics, you know, losing family members and like shifting my role in my family. So when my senior year came around, I was looking at colleges and it was just like, <clears throat> I made a decision not necessarily on, you know, what was best for me at the time or long-term, but just what felt good, you know, what was best for me at the time what i thought what i thought was best honestly because you know we think we know what's best at the end of the day but at the end of the day god knows what's best because it says in the bible that like, many of the man's many of the plans in a man's heart that the word of god will prevail so it's like i had the plan you know i was gonna go to baylor i was gonna be a doctor
1: <laughs>
0: but i was really to just now was to like please my mom because you know my whole life i want to make my mom proud I was like, I'm going to go to Baylor. I'm going to be a doctor. And, you know, my mom's going to, like, finally, you know, be proud of me. When I go to Baylor, and I'm like, you know, do I really like science? <laughs> I hit that first bio class. So, like, all my Baylor people, you know, that first bio class of beast. Make you reconsider <laughs> life. <Easy. laughs> Make you reconsider something. So, I was like, this is really what I was, like, meant to do. And it's just, like, I saw my other friends, and they were, like, they were excited to study. They were excited to, like, you know, learn what they are like, be learning. And me, I just had this level of kind of apathy towards it. And I know that wasn't normal. So I was like, man, like I was struggling, like, you know, what do I wanna do? Like, what do I want to do in my life? Like I know I wanna be do something great and whatever I was gonna do, I was gonna be the best at it. Because I just put in that work. But how was I gonna get there? So that whole summer before after my second semester finished at Baylor it was just a struggle because my mom's like, Well, we sent I sent you to Baylor to be a doctor. So if you're not trying to be a doctor, I don't think you should go there. I was like, man, what? Like, that's really how it is. (laughs) Like, I was really just like in shock because like this was like you know my dream Mm -hmm. birthday, and I was like, man, I was just navigating through that, and I was like, you know, do I, do I really want to like go back to Baylor, be a doctor, and do something that I know I don't like? Because she didn't give me the option to change my major. She was like, I'm not sitting in Baylor to not be a doctor. So I didn't have no options. So I was like, it's either I'm gonna stay at Baylor and keep my major and be a doctor or, you know, go somewhere different. And, you know, that whole summer was just a transformational time because, you know, she gave me the option. She's like, You could take a year off, you know, figure it out and then go back to Baylor. But knowing like from being from Houston, like the north side, like nineteen sixty two forty nine and just like pretty much going on growing up on nineteen sixty, like pretty much that whole that whole street my whole life is like, I know if I went back home, like I wouldn't be doing anything productive. I'll slip into the, oh, I'll go back to school and then be like 25 years old. And I know I didn't want that for my life. So I made the decision. I was like, well, I'm a transfer. And, you know, all my Baylor friends, they were like, I didn't even tell them because I knew they would tell me, you, like, you know, like, convince her or just stand the third or, you know, we need you at Baylor or whatever the case may be. But I had to do what was best for me So, you know, I didn't necessarily talk about it because it was just really, a really sensitive time for me. So I prayed on it and God said, you know, wherever you go, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to make your name great. And it just kind of like had me awestruck. Like, what are you talking about? And then, you know, my cousin went to Texas State and, you know, she did great things. So she was kind of nudging in my ear. She like, you want to transfer? I think about Texas State. Like I was thinking about UT Austin, I was thinking about A&M like the big schools but I'm like I'm basically in the same pool as Baylor I'm the same five or four percent and me growing up in Houston I'm used to diversity I'm used to hearing Vietnamese I'm used to hearing Chinese I'm used to hearing Hindu I'm used to all these different cultures so coming to college and it's just like oh it's either you know 50 percent 40 percent white and then you know five percent black that just blew my mind because even from the islands, you have, like, literally every culture. So even coming to college was a culture shock in a sense. So, you know, I, I prayed on it. And, you know, God put it on my heart. He said, Texas State. I was like, hmm. why Texas State? I, said, why? I just why? I just, like, I just sat on there. like, God, why Texas State? And then he said, you know, he said, Jonathan, like, I sent you to Baylor. And you were, a, like, <clears throat> at a Christian university. You know, you're rooted, you are in your faith and like you were a light to people who are there. And, you know, these people already, you know, have vision. They already have goals. They already have, you know, what they want to do in life. But he told me this. He put on my spirit and it rocked my world. <clears throat> to this day, it still rocks my world. The spirit spoke to me and said, you know, what if there's somebody at Texas State who needs to hear your story? What if there's somebody at Texas State who needs to see me and you? What if there's somebody at Texas State who needs to, you know, have that or shine example of hey i can do this i can you know and be a black man and be educated and that rocked my world because i'm like wow like you can literally ask anybody to do it but like me like that's what you want for me and like i was like yeah this is what you wanted this is what i need you to do when you get there so like literally i submitted my application in july i said i'm going to texas state <laughs> and it's like literally mind-blowing it's literally half like not even a year has passed yet and like this was my mindset and then I get to Texas State and you know I get involved and you know I'm in an NAACP and Black Me United and it's it's just funny because I didn't notice but before I came to Texas State people were saying you know the black orgs were dying like I remember my first conversation with a young woman at Texas State she was like you know there are no black meter black men who are leaders on this campus like they're non-existent and that blew my mind because at Baylor you know we had you know leaders everywhere so the fact that there was no leaders i was like wow that rocked my world once again so like i made sure to be involved as i could and like insert myself into the community because i saw i just saw like social media like you know some some things where they could do better so i was like you know what i know y'all don't know me i don't know y'all but like give me the easiest thing to do and i'll do it to the best of my ability so literally with black me united I was an ambassador <laughs> and all I did pretty much was like go around campus, going to different people's um different people's meetings and just, you know, seeing how we could be better and introducing them to black United. And that was my role. And I did that to the best of my ability because people were like, Who is this kid who keeps showing up to every meeting or to every one of these USAC meetings or every one of these whatever meetings? And I just met my president Snow. I didn't have to say anything, but my presence simply was like, you know, like this guy's serious. Like, I don't know him. I don't know what he's about, but he's serious about what he's doing. And, you know, just making that transition was tough. And, you know, being a Forbes scholar, like, it literally changed my life because my cousin told me to apply. And, like, at the time, it didn't make sense. I'm like, I'm about to transfer to a new school. I don't even know, like, what my major is going to be yet. And he's talking about Forbes, like, don't make no sense. But then God opened that door for me, and it's just a blessing. And literally, as soon as I moved to Texas State, like blessings just started lining up in my life. You know, just being involved on campus. You know, asked to be in like student government. You know, asked to be vice president of an org. Like a year ago, if you told me I was doing all the things I'll be doing out of Lacks Junior Base, <laughs> cause I'd be like, "That's impossible." Man. Right. But like, it just shows. It just shows you like once you line up with God's will for your life, like. He will, like, pour into you that is just is just so evident to see, like, God working in your life. Like, my friends at Baylor, they be hitting me up to like, bro, like, you left Baylor and, like, you're, like, you're doing the thing. And I'm like, hey, like, I'm putting in the word, but, like, God put me in position. But they're like, man, like, that's just so mind-blowing. Because, like, literally a year ago, I was kicking it with them. And then now, like, I'm, you know, VP for Black New United, you know, this chair for NAACP student government scholarship committee you know with USAC and all these great organizations at Texas State but it's just like I don't say that to brag I don't say that to you know like boost myself up because I'm not that type of person I just say that to say that like if God can do it in me he can do it in you because people all the time think like oh you got to be smart or you got to be this or you got to be that like no like take your talents from where you are right now and then make a difference like that's all it boils down to You know, if you're an artist, you know, see where you can plug yourself in. You know, if you're a great orator, like if you're great at speaking, you know, plug yourself in where you can. If you're great at taking notes, like literally every time we would go to a meeting, i will be taking notes. And like, does anybody have notes? And me, I had, you know, two, three pages of notes because, you know, I'm not the most outspoken person. I can speak on when I want to, but I'm a listener. I try to be a listener. So that's just my story. I just think my story is more about, you know, just resilience. Because my friends from back home, they was like, I'm not going to lie, if I were leaving Baylor to go to Texas State, I would have dropped out of college. They told me that straight up. They said, if I were in your position and I had to, like, they say downgrade, but I don't think so. They say downgrade, I would have dropped out of college. But I don't look at it like that. I didn't look at, like, look, at look at it like that. I looked at it as an opportunity. I looked at it as an opportunity to serve, you know, God's people and be that light. And I'm just thankful that, you know, He placed you in my life, Jacob. He placed so many great people in my life, but you know, I'll never forget where I came from. I'll never forget Baylor because it's all part of the story. So the story continues.
1: Period, bro. I feel you on that. That's that's how I feel um, about just being at Texas State and you know piggybacking off on how God, you know, moved you into while you are here. Um, going to Texas State, uh, when I visited, I felt like, you know, I standed on campus and I looked down on the ark and I just prayed to God and I was just like, you know what God, like this is where I'm supposed to be. And um, doing my applications and you Know those standardized tests that we had to take, you know, the ACT and the SAT. I wasn't good at those, so um, I would spend long hours studying and practicing, preparing for those tests, and my scores were terrible. And so, I was like, you know what, it's okay, I'm still gonna send my scores in and uh, hope for the best. I didn't get accepted, um, and so that was that was very hurtful to you know, gotta not get in accepted into an institution that you know I felt like I was supposed to be at and so I studied again I studied again and the second time I still didn't meet the requirement for the scores to get accepted um and so at that moment it was kind of like a come to god moment it's one of those times where you say you know what's for me is for me and god if this is what's for me I know you'll see me through And so uh, I made sure, regardless of my scores, I tried to put in the work. I tried to reach out to the counselors and to the administration and to let them know, hey, I'm trying my best, Um, you know. So just hear me out. And I sent my scores again. And the day before I got my scores, my mom told me, she said, son, I had a dream that you got accepted into Texas State. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. The very next day, I got a letter in the mail saying, Jacob, you have been accepted into your program. And it was uh, the most crazy experience I've ever felt because at that very moment, I knew I had work to do at Texas State. And till this day, I'm trying to continue the work that God has for me. And, you know, like you were saying, of course, we have a lot on our plate and, you know, we try to be involved in a lot of things. But there's a greater picture, you know, whether it's people hearing our story so that they know it's OK to heal, too, to, to go through things, to be put in situations that are uncomfortable. Um, Like they say, God puts his toughest soldiers The strongest battles. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves that when we're going through situations, that we don't know why we're put in those situations or why we're put in the roles of leadership. You know, because that's that's what he placed us on this earth to be. And it's it's such a humbling and a a beautiful picture, you know, by him. Bringing you to Texas State, you know, you have allowed me to want to, to grow my faith um, stronger in God. You know, it's, it's hard not only growing your faith, but also growing your faith with another individual and that individual being a man. You know, um, it's tough being able to to sit and talk about God and and be vulnerable with another man in the aspect to where you don't feel like you're being judged. To where you're able to heal in the correct way because you have someone else praying over you. Uh, it's a beautiful feeling.
0: Oh, easily, bro. So I kind of want to shift the conversation now to like, you know, these are our stories and, you know, these are what we experience in our life. So, you know, a part of college is just like, you know, relationships. <laughs> So I know, you know, everybody in college want so to talk about relationships, you know. I'm like, ah, like who's going to get booed up, whatever. You know, it's always a big thing. So it's like, so now you like know your story. So how does that like play a part when like when you're like getting involved and in, like talking to a female? It's like, how do you kind of open yourself up to, you know, her like gradually? Like not not instantaneously, but progressively. And how can you use your healing to, you know, help heal her because like as a man like if you're not doing the things for you you can't do it for somebody else like that's just it's just simple so if you're not doing something for you like if I wasn't in my word praying I couldn't speak things and speak life over you and vice versa so like that goes for our women as well because like I often see like you know our women saying you know we're broken we're hurting and it's like that's valid like that's real so how can we heal ourselves so we can heal like our women and you know just talk about what you do like whenever you're like involved with somebody or how you how, what's your approach that's that's a better question what's your approach how would you approach okay to
1: better break down a situation you're saying how do i approach uh a woman when i have been healing or i'm trying to be healed or how do i protect her peace so that I don't damage her because I'm not healed.
0: What I'm saying is like, okay, I'm. it's like a pretense to it. I'm saying you're already okay. involved with somebody and like you're progressively like getting to know them. And you know, it's kind of like, as you're getting into know somebody, it's like, exactly. like layers to an onion. You know, you're peeling the layers back. So I'm saying, what approach do you take in, you know, like telling your story and telling your healing process? You just lay it all out there? And just, like, let it be? Or do you just progressively take it step by step and then in the meantime share that healing or, you know, even acknowledge um, that? I would yourself?
1: say this is more of a now thing because I feel like my previous, you know, relationships and my previous times, I felt like by me not being able to communicate how I feel and the pain that's going on in my life, um, it didn't allow me to properly you know, go about relationships and situations the right way. So from my past and what I've learned and what I have taught by my relationship and by a woman is that to, to do it the right way. Um, I learned that when it comes to having a relationship with a woman that God needs to be first, um, he needs to be the foundation on the relationship uh like you you use the reference of an onion i felt like before any layers are being peeled back on the onion you need to make sure that it is it's a a good onion you know it's not it's not a bad onion it's not one that it's not busted it's not it's one not that's cause you to to be sick <laughs> off of rips it's not gonna be one that's you know onions yeah they they stink but you know what i'm saying like you don't want the onion to just be terrible. And what I mean by that, that's the the foundation that you have to build. Um, because when foundations weren't built in my past relationships, I found myself going in circles and not truly being able to see the promised land that God has, that God was trying to show me, you know. Telling me, Jacob, you know, if you would just do these things the right way and approach the situation the right way, you won't be six, seven months you know, later down the road healing from something that I was trying to protect you from. And so I feel like in order to, to, to heal our women, at first, the first things that we have to do as men is to make sure that we're whole um make sure our our mental is Mm. is is there you know a lot of women i mean a lot of men love to say women are crazy but we're the ones who are making them crazy because we're not right mentally (laughs) we were just talking about Um, this bro like we're not we're not mentally you know sound we're not mentally whole we don't have a a heart we don't empathize for them when they're trying to to talk to us and, and be open to us. You know, we like to, to lash out at them, you know, when they're trying to be vulnerable with us and we use that against them in times of weakness. And I'm not saying that that's the type of person that I am. I'm just saying as a whole, you know, we all have been in situations as men where we have led a woman the wrong way. We have assessed a situation the wrong way, you know, um, it's like we were born from a woman, we have mothers, but we don't know how to treat the ones that are trying to give us everything that they have, which makes no sense to me um you know i'm not I'm not saying that I'm some great guy i've I've done my wrong, I've you know been in situations that I wish I would have done better, but my thing is the first steps of of being a man is healing yourself so that Whatever baggage that the woman is carrying right now, you're able to give her the comfort that she needs and make her feel safe. You know, a lot of men get mad that you have to put a mirror back together and that mirror being a woman because of other men's issues. But my thing is that wouldn't happen if as men, we would just stop and do things the correct way and treat them for who they actually are. Queens, you know, actually learn how to to worship the ground that they walk over and not spit on it.
0: That's true, brother. But you also have to recognize the God who made the ground. Because it's like once you have that relationship with God and you're giving him glory and honor, because in Genesis, it talks about how we're made in God's image. And like, if, you know, a man and woman is made in God's image and you wouldn't want to treat her less than, but more equal to or even more than yourself. But like I said, that starts with within. Like you cannot share or manifest anything that you don't have within. People be like, oh, I need a relationship with peace. What do you, are you at peace with yourself? people are, oh, I want a love relationship. Do you love yourself? Like, you can't manifest or want anything that, you know, you're not already progressively working on. So, I make it, you know, a point of mine where I feel like, you know, God, I want a Christ-centered relationship. I was like, you know what? Well, let me have a Christ-centered relationship with myself in my life so that by the time my person come along my way, I'm already ready because I've been preparing myself. And I feel like as have we got to do a better job of, you know, preparing ourselves, you know, getting our... Like skeletons out the closet and you know, truly saying, you know, this is where I'm broken, you know, God I give you my brokenness, make me whole. And I promise he'll do it. And even like me, at like, all, I'm not perfect. You know, people think, you know, at all, I'm not perfect. Like, yeah, I try to live in purpose, I try to live in vision, I try to do great things. We still sin. Like I'm I'm still jacked up and twisted. Everybody and twisted else twisted and sinning like everybody else. So it's just a matter of, you know, what are you putting what are you what are you what are you putting into what are you putting into your life, you know, who you're surrounding yourself with. Because that'll have a big indication of, you know, how you're gonna grow as a man. Because how are you gonna grow as a man when your own boy is over there like talking about oh this chick, that chick did XYZ and this, that and the third? Like, mm-hmm. You can't really grow in that environment. Exactly. So it's all about who you're surround yourself with, and you know who's who's lifting you up as a man like are they speaking life into you like are they pouring the word into you that so it's just crucial bro <laughs> I'm always saying crucial that's
1: the that's <laughs> the truth that is the truth of it, and it's like like you were saying it's it's not I'm not here to bash us men because we we've all been hurt, you know women have hurt us too you know it takes it takes two to tango you know, in the situation. But it's just like you said, like, you know, we were all made in God's image. And I feel like from, you know, a woman's perspective, I'm not trying to speak for a woman because I'm not a woman. But what I'm saying is when a woman truly knows her worth and she knows that that God loves her for her and that it's okay to be patient and to wait for that man that she has so desiredly, you know, wanted, to come, you know, it just takes time and it takes, you know, allowing you to, to really allow God to, to move through you and to know that he's going to have your best interest and to always keep your head on a swivel, you know, for everybody. Because it just seems like everyone's dealing with so much pain. So it's like now everyone's out here to get each other.
0: Oh yeah, it's like this you dog e dog dog me. It's just like yep. I'm gonna dog you before you can dog me. And that's just a that's just a terrible mentality. So it's just like if we bring like I said, bring our brokenness to God, let him make us whole, then we can share that love. And that's what I've been learning like this past year, is just like just genuine love. But just in personal, like I was just talking to my mom the other day, and you know, she has this prayer wall of like what she prays for my life and then on the wall it said you know um had a quick miscation but um on the wall it said you know god i pray that you give jonathan discernment on who he loves and i was like mom like why'd you why'd you put that there like what was the reason and she's like i know you got a big heart and i know you like just genuinely have love for people but not everybody deserves it mhm like man like that It's, rock crazy. Roll, it's just crazy cuz it's just like you know you want to love on everybody you want to help everybody yeah, you, you can't, can't but you can't like you can't do it bro you and can't, can't like,
1: save everybody bro
0: you can't save everybody and that's kind of like what i struggle with cuz same you know, I see my friends struggling and I just want to like pour into them and pour into the spirit and just like give all of me to them because I know where they're lacking. But it's like, I can't do that. Only God can do that. And in order for God to do that, they have, they have to have that, that level of capacity of understanding, you know, this is who you are, God, and this is who you are to me. And, you know, I want to be so connected with you that, you know, no matter what, I will always love you, always adore you and come to you. So I just think it really boils down to capacity. Like I tell you, it's like if you have a three-year-old and they, you know, you're telling them about quantum physics, they're not going to understand because they don't have, you know, the mental capacity. So it's not just, you know, people about mental capacity, just emotional capacity. Do they have the social capacity to understand what you're saying? And even when, you know, we tell people about, you know, like being involved on campus and like different stuff like that, it's just about capacity. Mm -hmm. You know, do they have the, the capacity to hear and be receptive to what you're saying? So I learned a great deal of patience of, you know, my opinion isn't always, you know, the best or my perspective isn't always asked for. So, you know, it's better to listen, chime in if I'm asked, and then go from there because a lot of people, they just want to say their piece, say how they're feeling and just go on about their way. And you have to respect that.
1: Yeah, and it's like you're saying, like not everyone has the mental capacity to dissect what you're saying and be open to um, what you're trying to get across. You know, I've I, you know, like you're saying, I learned uh, to be patient and to honestly be a great listener because you learn a lot about people and who they are when you just sit back and listen.
0: Mm, see, I always tell my friends this. I said, you know, you can sit back and listen to a person, but don't just sit back and listen. Just watch how they move. Mm -hmm. Watch how they act. Watch what they're doing. Watch what they're involved. That'll tell you everything you need to know. So, like, phase words, I'm not even phased by words no more. I'm all about action. Because me, I know I can talk a good game. And that was my problem. Because my (laughs) friends at Baylor, they was like, bro. Like, I'd be like, hey, guys, like, let's be involved on campus. Like, let's do this. Let's do that it was like, you saying all this, bro, but you ain't doing nothing. I'm like, wow, like, you're absolutely right, because I was, I knew it, I had the capacity for it, but I wasn't acting in it, and that's the thing with God in our lives, it's like, we can know God's word, and be like, oh, yeah, like, this is what I need to do, but, like, if you're not actively pursuing that, and living in that, then you're just vain, like, your words are in vain, so, like, once I started actually, like, living in it my friends are like dang like you changed bro like you're not the same person I was like yeah because I stopped talking to y'all not stop talking in a bad way but just I stopped talking and telling y'all what we should be doing and I just went out and did it so now it's on y'all to either want to follow suit or not because I'm going to lead by example so like I said just watch how somebody move and watch the actions and that'll tell you everything you need to know
1: period Poop that's just how it is. And that's just how it, <laughs> And that's just how it is, bro. We're just being a man. I felt like uh, a, a big a big deal about being a man is it's stop talking. We we talk way too much. Oh, easily. We talk Dude's way like, too much.
0: Got it out that mud. There's nothing you can tell me. my <laughs> <Like>, boy, because... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <and>
1: <laughs> we talk way too much, you know, and it's more of let's just act upon our actions and and move and not only move in silence, but move accordingly. And if people move on purpose. Exactly. Have a, a reason to, to where you're going and what you're doing. And once more people, you know, have that mindset, the the greater the greater things, you know, will come. And so it's just kind of like we can ditch out the info and we can, you know, be a voice and a light on, on campus and, and try to help out people. But it's just the biggest thing on our end is understanding that if people want the help or if they want the the guidance or they want the, the put on, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you got to go to it. Like you got to go to God to, to get the, the good fruits, the, the drink from the, the great source, you know, he's not going to come seek you. So, like you are saying, we just got to move in purpose and move accordingly.
0: Yeah, bro. So, this has been a great conversation, but I kind of want to, like, kind of top things off with, you know, talking about, you know, your weaknesses and, you know, what are you doing to actively, you know, try to be better at them? Because it's easy to talk about, you know, oh, my strengths are this, that, and the third. But I feel like as men, you know, a part of healing is recognizing what you're weak at. And when you realize what you're, where you're weak at, giving that to God, letting him be a strong foundation in that manner. So I just want to ask you and you can ask me, you know, what are our weaknesses? So you can go ahead, bro.
1: I feel like my weaknesses and something that's always been my weaknesses is reverting to something that that keeps me, comfortable but also reminds me of why I was hurt I feel like that's Mm. that's my biggest weakness because in that very moment I may feel numb but when I wake up the very next day I still feel that same feeling um and not being able to find that that peace and that comfortability in in God you know I'm averting to the the bad things you know that you know keep my mind daisy or, or keep me at a a state of, of comfortability. But when I, I I'm alert and I'm back to my normal self again, it's just all those feelings rush. Um, I feel like another part of my weakness is, is, is always trying to feel like I have to be strong and everything's going to be okay. And I'm going to get through it, but not truly accepting things for what it is and allowing myself to, to hurt to, to heal, to allow that, that wound to, you know, do its process. I just try to slap a Band-Aid over it and keep it moving and not actually allow it to heal. Um, I would say an, another one of my weaknesses is putting myself into situations that I know may feel right at the time, but in the end result, it's wrong because I know that I'm going to eventually see myself having to heal from it. Yeah. Um, a lot of it has to do with being selfish. Um, healing, you also have to be selfish by doing the right things and putting yourself in uncomfortable situations so that you can heal and not reverting to what you feel like is comfortable. I feel like those are the few things that I say I struggle with as men, and I'm sure many other men struggle with those things too. But most importantly, recognizing the issue, assessing the issue the correct way, and allowing God to move through me so that I can heal properly. And making sure that my mental is intact. And praying. I feel like once my prayer life is where it needs to be, and whenever I feel myself about to fight a demon, I start casting it out and I start praying and I start asking God to, to be there and to remove anything that is allowing me to, to be closer to him, to take it away. In those very moments, I fight that way instead of fighting with, you know, whether it be alcohol or whatever I feel like I resort to 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 be comfortable, that I fight with prayer.
0: Yeah, bro, that's that's very essential because kind of just like shifting the conversation to me and kind of the narrative. I know with me, like I, I relate to you, bro, like literally coping mechanisms, like what are your, like not having healthy coping mechanisms. Like I know for me, I, when I'm comfortable with you, I can talk a lot and I won't shut up. If I don't know you like that, I'm going to sit back and listen and watch how you move. So, with me, it's just learning how to, you know, being able to, you know, say how I feel and articulate it in a sense, no matter who it is. But then I feel like once I'm close to somebody and, you know, they're making me upset or they make me mad, like I just shut down. Like I don't say anything, I don't do anything. I'm just quiet and I shut down. And that's just not healthy. That's not a healthy coping mechanism. So, like, if somebody were to make me mad, like I don't even say anything. Like, you just won't hear from me again. And that's not a proper thing to do. You can be like, hey, like, let's talk this out. Like, let's work this out. Because that's not going to work in a relationship or even a friendship or a brotherhood. You got to be able to be like, hey, like, this conversation's tough, But, like, we're going to thug it out. We're going to talk it out. And we're going to have a great conversation. Yes, sir. So I'm actively working on that, trying to, you know, expand how I articulate how I'm feeling because oftentimes, like you said earlier, way earlier in the podcast, it's just like a Coke. I just let stuff build up and I just explode. And, you know, it's not a pretty sight because I'm, like, a really laid-back, chill type of guy. Exactly. So, when I get really worked up and I really get angry, like, it's just not a good thing to see. Exactly. So, it's just being cognizant of that, trying my best to, at all times, be self-aware of how I'm feeling, like, did I have a bad day or did I have, you know, a good day, you know? Am I feeling happy or am feeling low? And, you know, trying to have healthy coping mechanisms, like, you know, I know we talked about this on campus, but, like, yoga, they have yoga on campus. And, you know, talking out with you, like, talking to you, my bro, or talking to my mom, or talking to a family member, or, you know, being in my word or praying or, you know, going out for a run or, shoot, going to the rec, you know, refereeing a basketball game. Like, it's just different types of things where it's just, you know, finding the proper healing mechanism. And also for me, I just – I need to work better on being on time.
1: Same. Because
0: (laughs) in the islands, we had a saying called island time where, like, you run, like, 30 minutes late everywhere, and that's literally me. Like, a meeting – it's either I'm early or I'm late. There's no in-between, and it really shouldn't be like that. Exactly. Because in the islands, it's the mentality of, like, you know, so many things could happen to you on the way to this meeting, but you made it. So, we were thankful for that. But in America, if you're late to your job, you're getting that pink slip. <laughs> you ain't got no job no That's more.
1: wraps, bucko. <laughs>
0: you going back to the apartments <laughs> with parlay. <laughs> you're fried. Right. So, it's just learning that, that kind of, like, culture difference and, like, trying to be on time. And another thing for me is just, like, sleep. Mm-hmm. Because, like, as a kid, like, whenever I'll be, like, dealing with tough times, I would just, like, sleep a lot. And I would just, like, use the sleep to, you know, ignore how I was feeling or ignore how I was, you know, dealing with the problem. It's kind of like Nas said. He's like, I never sleep because sleep is a cousin to death. But it's just, like, it's in a flip manner. It's just, like, you know, you're in a state of, you know, homeostasis where you're just, you know, you're just lifeless. Like, I don't... I don't say It's hard finding ways to keep moving. So that's my prayer, and that's what I'm trying to work on as a man. But I think it's also great that we have each other to hold each other accountable. Because, you know, when I'm running late somewhere or I'm sleeping late or I'm oversleeping, you're gonna call my butt out. <laughs> and then Easily. if I catch and then if I catch you, you know, you know, not having a proper coping mechanism or you're not doing this or not doing that, I'm gonna call you out and I'm gonna get on you and just hold each other accountable. But once again, you can't have that if you don't have, you know, solid homeboys who in their word. And like who are about their business. Cause then they're gonna see you struggling and be like.